Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here for the Wednesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton with Row across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody are located with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshot. Coming up in 20 minutes, former NFL safety Tank Williams, now college football and NFL analyst. He'll be with us here on the program. Chad, how would you describe the show going into the final hour here, the final leg? Uh, getting through the middle of the week fast. That's what the show is doing for you Getting today. to the weekend, right? Your weekend begins on Thursday. Yeah. Weekend starts tomorrow. Celebrate, everyone. This is uh, uh, Wednesday's the new Thursday. That's what I'm saying. It's 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 time to get it's time to get to the weekend. Always a fast week with Withrow. We'll have uh, his top ten games of the college football weekend coming up tomorrow. Um, last year, this would be a no brainer. Is Texas TCU among your top ten consideration right now? Oh yeah. yeah is it, it is, is it because um, of the quarterback situation for Texas or more? Oh uh, no, it's more. They're just, you know, they're under consideration. And I can't reveal everything about well, my top ten list yet. There's some good games this weekend. As I'm going to look at it right now. Uh, so it, no, it's it's under consideration. Yeah, it, Chad's doing the, the numbers right now, the calculations. I would say there's a better than 50% chance that it is in the top ten. Okay. Um, hear me out on this. I don't, while I, I'm not saying that they're hoping Texas has a chance to win the conference. It's not going to be Oklahoma. Is a perfect scenario for your mark and company to have Oklahoma State beat the crap out of them for the Big 12 championship game? Well, anybody. Well, anybody, but, but anybody, but, but especially, but Texas, especially the vocal Mike Gundy and the we feel slighted crowd in Stillwater about, you know, a Bedlam. He's been preaching this for two years now. It's going to be the end of Bedlam, you know, and then he goes out on top there. And, where they were to the start to now um, having a chance to play for the Big 12 title. I'm curious if just best scenario, best scenario for them is probably what, Kansas State against Oklahoma State or something. No, best case scenario is anyone, anyone not but, named Texas or Oklahoma but winning if you, the Big 12. But if you had your pick, you would want to beat one of them on the way out, wouldn't you? The way Oklahoma State handled Oklahoma, for instance. I, I, honestly, I think if they had their pick, they would, they would not be in the Big 12 championship game, either one of them. Sure. It would be uh, Oklahoma State versus Kansas State, two teams that are remaining in your conference in the Big 12 championship. I still think Texas makes it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and maybe I think Texas is the best team in the Big 12. Maybe that, and I, I fully admit I'm I'm buying into the idea of Malik Murphy with where he's ranked, but also like the storyline that we mentioned yesterday, um, without Quinn Ewers, who's day to day, week to week. If he doesn't come back in a timely fashion, now the backup is Arch Manning. And the, just the thought that we could see him at the end of the season, possibly, who knows, inserted into the Big 12 title game because of some injury that happens. I love that thought. 
Yeah. And what I, if it's Manning that wins for Texas on the way out well, look, in the final game? Big 12 does not want <laughs> Texas to win. That, that's right. for sure. Um, I, I look at Oklahoma and, and now losers of two in a row when Brent Venables had a very disappointing year one there. His seat's going to get extremely hot quick in the SEC. If they're not 9-3 and three in year one in the SEC, if they're anything below that, I think Oklahoma people, especially if they drop another one this year at some point, they're going to look around and think, is this the guy hey. that's going to win in the SEC now that we're transitioning to this conference from the Big 12? I, I think it could get pretty crazy for him pretty quickly. Not now, not anything with this year, but early in his SEC tenure as they make that move. Think about what Oklahoma and USC, what, what has happened to them versus what Lincoln Riley meant to Oklahoma. He was 55 and 10. He's now 18 and 5. He's already lost half as many games as he did in his tenure at Oklahoma. Yeah. Meanwhile, Brent Venables is 13 and 9, Chad, to your point. I mean, Caleb Williams there means And it's a not going to get any, any easier uh, the next year for, for Oklahoma and Brent Venables. I am interested to see what what it's still hard to wrap your head around Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC, but what success looks like for both programs. T Texas just went to Tuscaloosa this year and won, so they're obviously thinking we're going to go in there and compete for a SEC championship in year one. Is Oklahoma feeling the same way? Are they going to get really impatient with Brent Venables quickly if they're not close to the top of that conference immediately? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what their expectation level is when they get to the SEC. Are they trying to think about a transition period where maybe expectations aren't as high as they're going to be later on, or is it go there and win right away? So I'm trying to see their what, schedule next year, who they're playing. I know they host Tennessee, Josh Heupel's homecoming to the school he played for. One more hypothetical but I'm for looking you. at who they're playing in year one in the SEC. Oklahoma's 2024 schedule. Losers of two straight right now in the Big 12. In the SEC, they're going to play Texas, at Auburn, at LSU, at Missouri, Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee at home, and at Ole Miss in year one. Not easy. Just ask Bama. Not, not easy many, at all. Not many are going to go through that gauntlet and do what Alabama's done this year, right? I mean, yeah. It, well, and no, I, I, look, no, I say across the country, by the way, not just any sure. SEC school. No divisions next year, so all that's going away. Right. So it's going to be kind of a year-to-year -year thing. But in year one, that's a, that's a tough schedule. Um, let me throw out a name that we're not mentioning enough on the flip side of the discussion for how other programs could view their coach. We have said for months now, if you want Jimbo Fisher out in College Station, who are you going to get with a better resume, right? Which is what they had when they hired him from Florida State. Where would he end up? Like, Jimbo Fisher? Yeah. I mean, it, it's realistic to think he's right back in the SEC. He's just the the next team. Like, you, you mentioned Venables and what happens. Like, he takes his buyout, right? And maybe he sits out a year. Maybe he doesn't. But there are going to be some SEC openings soon. Here's a, here's a hypothetical for you. You've got two to three years and you eat your own. Well, I, I think the hottest seat right now in the SEC is Sam Pittman at Arkansas. Would Arkansas hire Jimbo Fisher immediately? If Texas A&M fired him, what's what is it? Bargain basement Jimbo Fisher making less than he was at A&M. Would you take that? Uh, making way. What about way less if if there's offset language, like Butch Jones getting the buyout from Tennessee to be an analyst at Bama? 
You see what I'm saying? Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who would hire him as offensive coordinator right now, considering their offensive struggles. No, I'm, saying, at I'm saying head coach. Yeah, I'm saying Arkansas is the head coach, not an analyst situation. But what about Florida? Again, like he's there are plenty he won of a national hypo- title at Florida State. Plenty so. of hypotheticals there. I don't think Florida's going to do anything this year, though. What well, does Billy Napier? It doesn't necessarily have to be this year. Like if the, if he, if they bring him back for next year, that's that's a. College football playoffs. Well, who season could A and M hire with a better resume than Jimbo Fisher? One guy, Urban Meyer. That's right. who you can hire with a better resume in college football. Which is crazy to think about in terms yeah, of what go. guys Done. are getting There's paid. There's your hire. What we're seeing from the resumes of coaches getting paid versus the the criticism of what Jimbo Fisher's doing with his money, right? I we're not thinking about the next step for him. It's did, always about, is Texas A&M going to fire him or not? Yeah, I did an interview with our guy, uh, David Nuno, was t- with Tex Ags Radio yeah, what's the yesterday. Uh, they've turned. They've definitely turned in College Station. I mean, he's, he's saying there's no excuse. Because he said, people are going to point to, oh, Connor Wegman went down, and they would have been better. He said, I'm, I'm not buying it. There, were, there was no excuse made. He said, this is unacceptable. What's happened this year? Now, he said, I didn't think we were going to go 10-2, and two, talking about yeah. A&M. But I also didn't see this happening again, where you're losing all of these close games one after the other. And he said the biggest issue is it's something different every week. And I can buy that because in October, September into early October, the one thing you could say about AM positive was their front seven is elite. They stop the run. They get after the quarterback. They got a really good defensive front seven. And then Ole Miss gashes them on the ground. Then they have problems stopping the run. It's every week. Yeah. It's something different. The offense can't get it going. Too many mistakes, too many turnovers. Then the special teams lets them down. It's always something with A&M, and that's been the story for Jimbo Fisher the last two and a half years. Chad, uh, Jake Dickert, head coach at Washington State, um, says that teams like his are not going to compete in the NIL world, that the competition is too steep given the, uh, just the landscape of the money transfer portal, and name, image, likeness, even from the, the high school ranks in recruiting. This is the same Coach Dickert that beat Oregon State and then said, uh, how dare you say this was the no one watches bowl. Uh, when they were relevant back in, what, late September, they were playing well. And now it's, well, we can't compete at the highest level in the NIL space moving forward. Uh, now that they're not on the... The, the landscape of discussion for the Pac-12. Well, he is in the landscape of discussion for Michigan State's head coaching job. It was listed that him and Lance Leipold are the two leading candidates oh, for that job. And I think he's a great option there. Yeah, and I think he'll have NIL money at, at Michigan State if he goes there. So he's kind of planting the seeds for that. I think some of this is a little bit of excuse-making. Yeah. F- for this reason, Washington State is never going to compete at the top levels of college football for recruits, period. I don't have the recruiting rankings in front of me, but I'm willing to bet Washington state is pretty regularly outside the top 35 in national recruiting rankings or top 40. So there's never been an era where you're going to go and pluck players away from USC within your own or Oregon right now, or whoever that team may be. If Alabama and Washington state's going after the same player, uh, gee, I'm willing to bet they probably are going to go to Tuscaloosa and play for Nick Saban, whether there's NIL money in there or not. So, they're not in the top 50. I think that's just a new excuse. Like, if you're the head coach at Washington State, you've always had to win with some cunning. I mean, look at what Mike Leach was able to do there. Look at what Jake Dickert's been able to do there. Yeah. 
there's some and, cloak and dagger going on in any program like that. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I don't look at Iowa State and think, that's a program where you can go and get the top-level recruits out of the Midwest and out of that. No. You're going to have to win with guys who are overlooked. You're going to have to win with scheme. You're going to have to win with guys who are bought into whatever it is you're doing. You know that when you take the job. So you saying publicly that, I just, gosh, I just can't compete in this NIL world. We're just never going to have that here at Washington State. To me, you're planting built-in excuses that have always been at Washington State. The new name of that excuse is just NIL. Those excuses have always been there. You're in the Palouse. You're in Pullman, Washington. You're not in Los Angeles. You're not in the deep south surrounded by players. You're not in Texas. So those excuses have always existed at Washington State. Yeah. Uh, higher or lower? You don't the, have to say them is my point. Class Exactly. Class of 2024, higher or lower in the recruiting rankings than Washington State? Well, this is a good game. Iowa State. I'm going to say higher. One spot higher. Okay, good. Okay, so j- just for reference, Washington State right now, 24-7, they're 56th in the country. Yeah, not Class, good. They're 56. That's not good. Washington, by the way, is right around 50, I believe. Or 40, sorry. 40 Which for Washington. Washington should be higher, but yeah. Uh, higher or lower, Wake Forest? I'm going to say Wake Forest is lower. Higher. Considerably higher on this. Wake really? Forest is... Uh, well, I say considerably. Wake Forest is 48. Dave Clawson I mean, getting it done. Didn't know he's uh, such a recruiter. They're within NIL a money. long maybe toss got distance, a, but that's a big separation. Maybe they got a great NIL program there in, at, at Wake Forest. East Carolina. East Carolina lower. The Pirates. Two spots lower. East Carolina is awful this year, too. I, I want to say, th- I think they have the same record as UConn. I think they're 1-8. Kansas. Kansas, historically, way lower than Washington State, I'm going to say higher right now. All of these were within five spots of each yeah. other, roughly. I'm going to say higher. Uh, five spots higher. Yes. Uh, and, and last one, I will go with oh, – there's a good one here. Uh, Indiana and Syracuse. Oh, both Higher good. or lower. So, Dino Babers is probably on his way out at Syracuse. Tough to recruit when everybody knows your coach is going to get fired for the next year. Yeah. So, I'm going to say Syracuse lower. I'm going to say Indiana – little bit more certainty with Tom Allen as their head coach. I'm going to go Indiana higher. Both are higher. So both average uh, a 184 score um, on the composite rankings. Uh, Washington State, just for comparisons, at 178. This goes to your point. Yeah. Like, Is our guy Keith Bullock chipping in some NIL money? How is Syracuse uh, getting it done recruiting-wise? I think he would have, but... Um, you know, Keith's just a realist. I mean, if yeah. he knows his coach is out, he needs to see who the new coach is going to be, right? Open up some coffee shops up in the Syracuse area. Get some recruits in. It is it is crazy though. It's to see really some of these tough to programs. recruit to Washington State. Iowa anyone is thirty second. Anyone who's followed college sports at all knows it's tough there. It was tough before NIL. Hey. It's tough after NIL. Jack. It hasn't made it any more difficult. Just just for just the perception here, Vanderbilt is thirty eighth. Washington State is fifty fourth, fifty sixth. Sorry. Vanderbilt, typically, I think this is kind of an SEC thing, the sort of the rising tides, raising all the boats. They're usually around like 30 to 40 in the rankings, which is higher than most other Power 5 teams. It just, I mean, when you're between 30 and 40 in the SEC, you're getting your quite literal right. doors blown off. But you're going to a program where the relevance is week zero. Yeah, People are watching because college football has returned. Yeah, that and- Hawaii game. That was the high point for this season so at least, far. At least Jake Dickert is taking on college game day, right? Yeah. 
And um, and then no one watches bowl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is beating I, the team by the way in Oregon State that is in the same boat as Washington State in our discussion right now. Well, I saw something where Clark Lee is saying I'm going to embrace transfer portal now in NIL, and I'm thinking, did you not embrace NIL before? I just thought no one kicked in for NIL at Vandy. I didn't think it was about the coach not embracing it as much yeah. as you got to set up an NIL system if you're going to make it happen. Uh, Col- and do enough people care at Vanderbilt to pitch it? They've got the money. They do. But do enough people with the money that are Vanderbilt grads or connected to the university, do they care enough to set up a viable NIL program? Now think about how you feel if you're Washington State and what Dick, to your point, what Dickard's saying about the competitive nature of where he currently is and where the program is. Based Washington on the model State it's allowed needs like an Elon Musk to be a graduate of that university just to completely foot the bill for every program on campus. Or a Deion Sanders. However, Colorado's lower than Washington State Yeah, Colorado's terrible in recruiting right now because I think they're saving everything for the transfer portal. Yeah. They've already got their class. I think this entire roster is leaving (laughs) except for Stuart Sanders. I really do. None None of them are good enough. Take Williams joins us next. NFL and college football discussion with the former NFL safety. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network, and we continue with uh, Tank Williams. Always great to have you on, Tank, former NFL safety and now a sports betting analyst, college football, NFL analyst. He's got you covered. Tank, good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you. How's it going? Uh, great. Uh, no shortage of topics right now in the, in the heart right. of, of football season. And, <laughs> Not and at all. On and off the field. Where do you, where do you stand on the Michigan sign-stealing uh, allegations and penalties that could be headed their way as we await what Tony Petiti and the Big Ten uh, will be uh, deciding sooner rather than later, maybe as early as tomorrow. Um, as a former player at the highest level, mm-hmm. how does this take place behind the scenes? And is everyone doing it? Or is this above and beyond what would be expected? I wouldn't say everyone is doing it when you have guys that are basically in disguise on other people's <laughs> sidelines and trying yeah. to 
I guess, allegedly record tape signs and all that stuff so you can get a competitive advantage. You didn't have a Marine at Stanford that was in charge of the director of intelligence, you're saying, that was out there practicing espionage at other campuses? Yeah, yeah, Stanford wouldn't allow that on our payroll, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, That's why we only made it to the Rose Bowl about (laughs) once every 30 years before I got there. Um, But yeah, man, it's just unbelievable the lengths that teams will go to to try to be successful. Like, I understand trying to get a leg up, doing your traditional scouting where you're looking at film and things like that. And if and, and there are some cases where coaches are able to pick up on signs during a game. Right. But not going out scouting the signs so you can get a competitive advantage that way. So I feel that if there's proof that that's exactly what was taking place, then they need to be punished and just deal with the consequences. Because obviously, like, yeah, that, that's just a competitive advantage that a lot of teams don't go through those links to try to take advantage of. I mean, yeah, and it, and it still goes on now, but I mean, the the obvious ways that you defensively or, or even uh, offensively based on what quarterbacks could pick up on, the tells of the quarterback, right? You could get a read on mm-hmm. what the play was going to run or pass, uh, and that would be something in advanced scouting that's totally fine uh, from the NFL model, but that's really what you're trying to pick up on more than just a you know, a sign from the sideline because, again, the communication in the helmets has changed a lot in the NFL, and we're not seeing it right now in college, but we probably will moving forward. I think we'll definitely see the communication in the helmet. I'm not sure exactly why it's taking so long, but now there's always this thing that needs to be a catalyst in order for in order for significant change to occur, and I believe this will be the catalyst for college football to get the communication between the coaches and the players on the field, and then we won't have to worry about these issues. There'll just be another way that teams try to find an advantage and leg up on their opponent. All right, so uh, sports betting analyst here, Tank, uh, but I'm also going to try to tie into your experience as a veteran in the NFL. Inside locker rooms right now, how many locker rooms truly believe that they're contenders currently? And I, I view this through the lens of a, a maybe a futures bet on playoff scenario who can make it to a, a NFC or AFC championship game. And I think it boils down to, and correct me if I'm wrong, how many locker rooms truly trust the quarterback in a big pressure pack moment? Because there's not many that are very consistent currently. True. And I I would say for that reason that there's probably more teams than you would think that believe that they have a chance because you understand that all you have to do is get there. And if something just clicks with your team and you ride that wave, I mean, how many people had trust in Eli Manning before they made it to the playoffs and then ultimately won the Super Bowl? You know what I'm saying? He got hot at the right time, had some playmakers around him, and then the rest is history. And so I believe when you look at it, you can go down all along the AFC East. I mean, minus the Jets and the Patriots. But, like, look, the Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills can make it. The entire AFC North has a legitimate shot to make the playoffs and then actually get on a hot streak and surge. When I look at the AFC South, the Jags, Texans, they're in the mix. And look at a team like the Titans, man, like my former team. You have Will Levis, at quarterback. And if he's able to kind of catch flame like the way C.J. Stroud is doing in Houston – I mean, you never know. So, I mean, there's so many different teams and scenarios that you could talk about throughout the AFC South and NFC. So I think for that reason alone, yeah, you want to have a trusted and proven quarterback that you can lean on during those tough times. But we also see the importance of having a coach that guys buy into and believe in. I mean, the perfect example is seeing what happened in in uh, Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels, man. I mean, yeah. they have talent all up and down that roster. But when you have that disconnect between the head coach and the players, you can't win games. And then you have Antonio Pearson now, who's a guy who played the game, resonates with the players, got them energized, got them refocused, and then they can just go out there and open up a can. 
And so that's what you expect. When you have guys like Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, some of these young coaches who can relate with their players, devise great schemes to put them in the best opportunity to succeed, then that's when you get to see these good results between those white lines. Why have we seen a disconnect with Bill Belichick in New England with that team? I mean, it's it's easy to have Bill's approach when you're winning games. I mean, he has like this dry personality that, you know, we thought was, you know, funny. I was up there for a cup of coffee. Right. So I got a sense of what it was like in that Patriots locker room. But, I mean, he can coach you hard and do all those things as long as you're winning games. But I wouldn't say that there was this uh, deep connection that he had with a lot of the players. Maybe, like, some of the guys who have been there for a long time, like a Brady and some of those guys, and rightfully so, do that put a lot of rings on your fingers. But even Brady and Belichick had their moments where he will kind of chew them out in meetings, and you'll say, like, I understand you want to coach everybody the same, but even when I was in Tennessee and I felt like uh, Fish would give uh, some players, you know, undue, uh, I guess, privileges when they didn't deserve it versus others. But at the same time, when you have a guy like Tom Brady, who's arguably the best player that's played the game and let alone one of the best quarterbacks that ever played the game, then you can go ahead and throw him a bone in meeting. So I think when you look at it from that sense and now you're not winning games, and you have a locker room where you're not having fun and you can't do the things you want to do on social media and everything else, that can rub them pretty quick. And I think we're starting to see that in New England. Tank, I'm going to ask you a little bit about college football, but before I get there, comparison between college and the NFL. Uh, you obviously having played in, in both. In college, the coach dictates everything, right? The program mm-hmm. is driven by the coach. We all know that. But how often in the NFL – is the team's attitude, whether positive or negative, about how things are going or how a game can go, how often is it reflected more by the quarterback than the head coach of an NFL team? Uh, it really depends. Like, obviously, if you have a really great quarterback and he's the leader of your team, then as your quarterback goes, the team goes. We've seen that with guys like Tom Brady. You see it with this younger generation of Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and the like. When they have that confidence – they exude their confidence in their team. They do nothing but they follow. But at the same time, we've also seen teams where you have like a Ray Lewis, where you have Trent Dilfer at quarterback, and he wasn't the leader of that team. I mean, he was just a piece of the puzzle. But Ray Lewis and those guys on defense really, you know, paved the way for those Ravens teams to you know, make it to the playoffs on a consistent basis and ultimately win a ring. And so it just it varies. It just depends on each individual situation. But I will say that no matter what, you have to have a great coach that um, has the ear of the team. Like there are times when, you know, really good teams have to have like these players only meetings and then write the ship because it depends on the players. Like you have here, all the good coaches, whether it's in football or in basketball here in Greg Popovich, like the players win the game. So ultimately it comes down to the players, making sure that everyone's aligned, just doing their job and going out there and execute on the high level but you have to have that connectivity between the head coach and the players in order for everyone to be on the same page and have some success. And a lot of times when you see that disconnectivity, uh, that's when you have the issues that we saw going on in Vegas and some of these other areas, uh, Denver Broncos and, and the like. We haven't had you on since your alma mater's big win, big comeback win over yes. Colorado with Stanford uh, down mm-hmm. 29 points at one point, 29 to nothing in that game, come all the way back and, and win that one. Huge win for Stanford and Troy Taylor in year one. On the flip side now for Deion Sander, it's been a lot of bad since the fast start to the year for, for Colorado. Mm-hmm. What do you think about his approach and his ability now moving forward to take the negative 
and turn it into something positive, whether it be in the last few games of this year to try to get them bowl eligible or this offseason moving into next year? Uh, honestly, I believe his approach was effective. When you look at Colorado, not a lot of team, uh, people expected them to win more than like two games this season. And so for them to start off the way they did, going to TCU, get that upset, and then just ride the wave and then end up parlaying that into whenever they're on, uh, whenever they have a game coming up on a Saturday, Friday, or whatever it is, they're nationally televised because they must see TV right now because people want to see what happens, whether it's having the rock at the games and all these other different celebrities to them playing well, to them getting their head beat in. They're just must see TV right now. And when you have that kind of, when you capture the nation, capture the world in that way, then obviously it's going to pay dividends. You see what they're doing with the blender glasses and everything else. So I think what Dion has done has been good for college football. You know, is that the ESPNs, the Foxes and the CBSs and everyone else was trying to get a piece of prime uh, when everything was going right for them. And I believe that kids noticed that as well. And you understand that you can make it to the league. I mean, I went to the league playing for Stanford and we only played in one Rose Bowl. And a lot of times we went three and eight and five and six. So you have a really great coach who's going to have some good coaches around. You teach you the fundamentals and everything you need to do in order to make it to the next level and succeed. And at the same time, you're going to have eyes on you all the time because people want to see what prime and that Colorado team is doing now. So I think from that standpoint, he's only going to continue to recruit better and get guys through the portal. And if he did this much in one year, just imagine what he's going to do with all the lights that were shining him throughout this season, being able to recruit in the offseason, solidify those offensive defensive line, and then come back with time that he has at the skill positions. There'll be something to reckon with next year. Tank Williams, our guest, uh, sports betting analyst, uh, former NFL safety and uh, college football and NFL analyst as well. At what, what total, points total, on an over-under – how low does the points total have to be for you to bet the Iowa matchup and the over? Because it's setting a new low. <laughs> We've set a new record for an opening over under 28 and a half for this upcoming matchup against Rutgers. And uh, they've already set the record twice this season. Yeah. And they've hit the under in both of these tank. Would you take the under 28 and a half total points against Iowa and Rutgers? Yo, it's so funny because I have a former associate with the uh, Yahoo Fantasy, Andy Barons, and he's an Iowa grad. And all we have fun just talking about the Iowa unders because they always hit. I know. Like, I can't believe Ferris put in his contract that he needed to score that many points, like, what, 24 points a game? Yeah. Knowing damn well they won't go be able to do it. They haven't done it since he's been there. And so then he had to go, go ahead and peace out of the season early. So... But I put faith in betting the over on Iowa regardless of who they're playing. Hell no. But if I want to be safe, I'll go ahead and SGP it. And if you have confidence All that right. they're going to win the game, I'll go ahead and put them on money line, and then I'll bring that total up and then smash the under a little bit just to provide myself a little bit of cover. Seven and two, Chad. Doesn't it warm your heart, though, as a defensive guy like yourself, Tank, that this team has two losses and may be playing for a Big Ten championship, <laughs> and they literally cannot score. They cannot. They have no offense, and their defense carries the way. It's got to make you feel good as a defensive guy. Yeah, now it's not a surprise why, you know, the Big Ten went out there and they got an SC and a UCLA and an Oregon and a Washington because they talk about the way we play defense in the Pac-12, but at least we put points on the board. At least our damn games are entertaining. So even though I hate to see the Pac-12 breaking up, at least y'all going to finally get some damn scoring in the Big Ten. So <laughs> so you're welcome. Is there a game you have your eye on in particular when the, when the lines open this weekend in college? Ah, man, I, honestly, like, I'll get to college here shortly. I've been focusing more so on the NFL okay. right now. Like, one thing that I kind of peaked was the Green Bay 
Pittsburgh game because I have zero confidence in Green Bay's offense whatsoever. There's no love in my heart for Jordan Love and what they're doing in Green Bay. So when I look at it where the total, I believe, was at 37 and a half, 38 or something yeah, like that, right. it's kind of similar. It's similar to what I was talking about for the Iowa game where I have confidence that Pittsburgh is going to win. I wish that Minka Fitzpatrick would be, at, be, be back for this game. I'm not sure he will be. But they got Cam Hedwood back. They got those two guys on the edge, specifically T.J. White. Uh, and Highsmith, and so go ahead and take Pittsburgh money line, take the total up to like 42 and a half, and then you smash the under on that one too. And I think you'll be in a pretty safe spot because I have confidence that Pittsburgh is going to win that game and that Jordan Love and that Green Bay offense isn't going to do anything against the Steelers. Uh, in 10 days between games for Pittsburgh, I believe the line's at three last I checked, and Pittsburgh's hosting this. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing too, like the unders have been hitting often in the NFL as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a safe play. It's a it's a weird deal where the the rules are set up against the defense, but yet we've seen really low-scoring games for the most part. Yes, yeah, it's high. And I really don't know how to explain it either because I've been talking about it for so long that the NFL has just been trying to turn into flag football, and that continues yeah. to be the case yes. when you see the penalties that you get against the quarterbacks and things like that. But that being said, I really don't understand why it's been so difficult for some of these teams to score. Maybe it's the contracts, because when you start to look at some of the roster construction right now, where you had a Patrick Mahomes back in the day that had a Travis Kelsey and a Tyreek Hill and things like that, like those days are gone. We have to pay Patrick Mahomes all that money. Once you do that, then you can't have all those weapons on the outside. So he still has Kelsey, but who else can he go to that's going to be dependable on the offense? Like, obviously, Rasheed Rice has started to kind of make a name for himself right now, but that's not like having Tyreek on the opposite side. So there's rare occasions where you can still have teams, like, say, for example, where Tua is still on his rookie deal, where you can have a Tyreek, you have a Jalen Wilder, and all these other guys. Load I think up. When you have, yeah, so I think when you have a roster for, for uh, formation like that, it allows you to have those explosive moments and those explosive days like we've seen from Miami and some of these other offenses where it could be a little bit tough from the ones that we've been so accustomed to seeing. At Tank Williams 13 is where you can follow Tank on social. Sports betting analyst, always great with us. Tank, great to have you back on, man. We appreciate the time today. Oh, for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. Yeah, man, thank you. Thanks, Tank. Chad, well done on the uh, remembering the comeback by Stanford. Yeah, big time comeback. Anything that makes Tank happy, I try to remember every time he comes That's on. That's right. Weird news next, plus the latest headlines, including are we going to hear what Michigan responded with? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chad, uh, live sports continues to dominate in ratings, uh, specifically football. But, I mean, even the NBA is going to try to ride out some in-season tournament ratings. Uh, Chiefs-Dolphins in Germany. NFL Network's most-watched international game. Marquee matchup. um, Two solid teams. Low-scoring affair, 21-14. And you had Miami, who had to score 14 in the second half to make it watchable in the second half. But viewership up 66% over the uh, the Munich game in 2022. And 
Oh, by the way, it averaged nearly 10 million. Well, 27 million people watched Cowboys Eagles Sunday. Yep. Most watched game of the year. 8.8 million on average watched Alabama LSU Saturday night. That's the most watched Alabama LSU game since 2019. That, of course, was the national championship Joe Burrow season with Ed O as the head coach. Uh, that game also in Tuscaloosa. So, yeah, live sports viewing way up. I think the state of entertainment as a whole right now with television shows on streamers or anywhere else, well, way down. But this is 8.30 stock, in the morning. Stock way down on everything else right 830 now. 8.30 local, 9.30 yeah. Eastern uh, on Sunday morning where you're tuned in to watch this. And the, the other factor is the NFL is playing this perfectly because this was NFL Network where people know to go find this game. You know, uh, NCAA tournament, Chad. True TV. How do we find that channel? Yeah. I don't hear any of that when it comes to NFL Network. There's a lot of stuff you know? moving to Peacock too. Even college basketball is going to have the Peacock's going to have a lot of college basketball well, and, uh, this year. Max with uh, HBO, they're they're having a lot of uh, Turner products on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, both hockey and uh, NBA. NBA uh, first uh, initial numbers from their in-season tournament ratings. They averaged uh, like 1.7 million was their viewership. Is that good? It's good compared to what they get for a regular season game this time of year. And they're going to use that because they're going into negotiations for the new television contract. Who's winning that in-season tournament right now? Where are we in the bracket? No Do you know? No idea. I, I still can't can tell you we, how it works. Davey, why did you not have a competition where we could fill out a, an in-season tournament bracket the way we do a March Madness bracket? I think we should be the one show that actually fills out a bracket and has may, a big competition. It may be just impossible to fill out a bracket for this. I, I, only because I knew someone who would do a women's NIT bracket as kind of a joke, and they would actually put money on it every year, but and they'd research the teams. If it, were, if it were possible to fill out a bracket, wouldn't the NBA produce said bracket? I bet I can find a bracket somewhere, right? Or is it? Is it? I don't know, well, it's, man. It's group play, so <laughs> at first, like it's like there's is the there, round yeah. robin aspect. Is there a to bracket it? challenge mm. for the World Cup in group play? So they're basically just like we're going to play games, and then we're just going to arbitrarily decide who plays next based on what's going to get the best television ratings. It's way too complicated. So there is no bracket. It's just play, and if you win, we'll decide who plays next. I'm going to look it up right now. NBA in season tournament bracket. <laughs> And see if they have one. What is it? It's just four teams make the tournament hold on, in hold Vegas. On. Printable right. bracket. Printable bracket. Let's put that in the old yeah. Google machine. You're about to kill a tree. And see what pops up. All the possible brackets. Oh, here it is. NBA.com 2023 in-season tournament bracket. Uh, third cousin, uh, what, once removed? <laughs> is it part of this bracket? Let's look at where we are now. 23andMe file to find out the bracket for the NBA in-season tournament. Hutton, I, I went to maybe the internet is slow. I don't think so, though. No, it's just trying to download what the bracket would they look like. They don't actually have it. On the NBA's website, you click on it, but there's nothing there once you right. get there. It's yeah. impossible. They don't want you, you to. You know what's on the NBA? I, I wish to I tune could, in to find out. I wish I could just show this, my screen right now. That could be a real problem <laughs> at some point. But just show my screen to everyone else. It's got a ribbon banner ad of the in-season tournament. Begins November 3rd, it says. Then a New Balance ad underneath it, and that's it. That When you click on bracket. Well done. They want it to be a mystery. Yeah. These games count, though, except for the championship game, which does not count for the uh, overall record of the team. Really? The one game that doesn't count What happens the to the champion? You get $500,000 cash, each player and coach. This seems like they've just decided <laughs> to take water and bottle it and sell it. 
Yeah, but see that I but they're it's getting the same thing that we What if you got? gave them an automatic is, is better than seven hundred thousand, which would be mocked right now, right? Like um and again, like the viewership numbers for a week nine on ESPN for NBA is not anything that making headlines like we would be discussing normally. What if you gave him a bye in the playoffs? Or TNT. Uh, the winner of the in-season tournament. Let's really up the stakes. Yeah, I think like just some awful team goes all in on that and then yeah. just shuts it down the rest of the season. The problem is... Because they're in the second round already. Chad, you've, you've nailed it. The problem is uh, we're discussing what-ifs while the tournament's going on. And I, there shouldn't have, be any more what-ifs. We should know. We can't even find a bracket. My knowledge of the NBA in-season tournament are the ESPN promos when I'm watching Maction on Tuesday night. I'm watching Mac football games. I'm not watching the NBA in-season tournament. And my extensive knowledge of this whole tournament simply comes from commercial breaks when they show a promo. Of, I think it was Phoenix and L.A. It was the one I saw was playing in the in-season tournament. It was Lakers-Suns, which I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a good matchup. But where do they go if they win? Yeah, no one I mean, knows. It's, it's not spectacular, but it's off to a, a – It's again, it's the opening of the tournament. And if they can build on it, because, again, like you've got to continue to – push this so you have people discussing it and it's not it doesn't have the regular season feel to it um in season tournament chat Knicks Bucks averaged 1.6 million and the late game Dallas Denver averaged 1.79 so it's just 1.8 um and again this is about moving forward with negotiations because they've got the 10-year agreement with the CBA they're locked in they can guarantee programming what is that worth well they're coming up with ways to boost the numbers um, and try to get the buy-in from the players and the fans. I can't buy in, though, if I can't print a bracket, to your point. It's an in-season tournament. There should be a printable option to this. And have like a, you're right, have the bracket challenge. You know, there's a whole, uh, they call it, what, NBA Twitter? I guess now it's NBA X. It's a whole subsection of people that follow the league and that are all into it all the time. Yeah. You probably go to those spaces of the internet to watch shows that are really dialed into the NBA you come to our show where we can speculate about who's actually still playing in the in-season tournament. Yeah, we it, used to have a real or fake high school football game of the week Hutton, yeah, on the show. Right. Well, I mean, we could we could have a real or fake NBA in-season tournament. There we go. Box score, things that happen in the game. Davey could read it. We may not even know if it's it's real or not. It would be it would be weird if uh, the next Woj bomb was uh, him producing the link that worked to actually access a bracket, right? That'd be the Woj bomb to end all Woj yeah. bombs. Actually, here is the link. Here's breaking news. The link that works so you can view said tournament bracket. Here is the right bracket. right now is just an ad for New Balance. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Uh, speaking, crazy headlines as well. Speaking of weird. Yeah, let's get weird with David. How about that segue? And five, four, three, two, one, zero, talking now. Gentlemen, my first story for today isn't so much weird. It's more of a com- of a complaint, but it ties into a weird story. Okay. So, are you guys by chance fans of The Simpsons? Is that ever your all's forte? I, I, I am familiar with a lot of the comedy of The Simpsons. Mm. I like the comedy family tree that spawned The Simpsons and where it all went. Uh, but I ha- I don't think I've ever watched a full episode. I'm, I'm very strange in this regard. I Simpsons would be third on my viewer viewership compared to South Park's number one. Yeah. Family Guy. Simpsons. In That's terms fair. of just if it's on. And I kind of get annoyed with it if it's just randomly playing after an NFL game or something. Here's my it's on everywhere. Here's my cartoon hierarchy. Go ahead. Beavis and Butthead. Okay, yeah. And then nothing else. I stopped watching cartoons after Beavis and Butthead when I was in seventh grade. That's it. 
But I do love South Park clips. Hutton shows me South Park clips, and I laugh out loud every time. I I think you should try to get back into some of these shows. There's some good ones out there. Uh, yeah, South Park. I mean, all, all those episodes you can watch on on Max. But the the reason I bring up the story of of the Simpsons, which which by the way, I guess is like the first adult cartoon that's kind of spawned all of these other massive uh, hit. great franchises, but. One of the longest gags that they've had on the show is Homer strangling Bart. And the first episode, I think, goes back to 1989, uh, where um, Bart would always get strangled and Homer would just say, you little, and and then kind of go on. But apparently they've decided to stop doing this. And they've just like, and and people are upset because it's like, oh, you can't have fun now. You can't do anything. And, And like one of the episodes was, uh, one of Homer's neighbors complimented his handshake and for a very firm grasp. And Homer just said to Marge, see, Marge strangling the boy paid off. And he goes, nah, I'm just kidding. I don't do that anymore. Times have changed. I'm a little frustrated that they're getting rid of that. It was always. How do people not understand this is comedy? Like, this is not real. Well, it's a cartoon. Well, no, people understand it. Again, South Park does it. And they get away with it. Well, because they don't, they don't cancel themselves. They don't kowtow Far to too people. many networks. Businesses, shows, long-running shows are canceling themselves. Yeah. Uh, it, it's an epidemic. It's self-cancellation. It's dumb. it's dumb, and it's, I mean, I don't know if you would just take the, go with go with Trey and Matt from South Park in their line of thinking, and if you do it long enough, everyone's just like, oh, South Park does it. But the Simpsons can't? Well, I, I think, I mean, they've, Simpson can't? they've always been one to kind of cowtail, so they pretty much just went ahead and decided, no, we're, we're just not going to do it. Which, for as much as they've been able to to get away with over the years, I don't like, again, like I don't know who they're trying to appease. It's not like their audience is like, no, we don't want this yeah. anymore. But but I bring this up just to tie into a real story because I would imagine a mom wanted to do this to her kids. And this kind of gets us into a, a story that's very stepbrothers-esque, where there was an Italian mom who had to take her sons to court because she that they wouldn't help chip in on rent or paying for the house. And they had jobs, but they just decided we're just going to continue. How old basically, are they? They're 40. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she, she this finally, is 40. Yeah. She got the, the Italian court to take action and they've managed to kick her out of, or kick for her to kick them out, out of the house. <laughs> uh, the sons were 40 and 42. She described them as parasites that were squatting in her home. The mom's 75, but uh, it, it got to this point to where wow. I, I've never heard. 70, you're not taking care of your 75-year-old mother? It's just, it's rough that you Dead get to beats. that point. But I, I do wonder, we always loved the Will, Ar- or the, sorry, the Will Ferrell and the John C. Riley comedy. And so yes. I, I'm thinking, what was that like for these guys? That they're obviously just terrible, but I, I'm just thinking like, uh, one of them's going around, it's like, uh, I like fresh fruit and chocolate chips in my pancakes. Make sure to write that down so you don't forget. There's no Catalina wine mixer in this family. No, no Catalina wine mixer. I wonder if they had bunk beds so they could do many activities in the room once they freed up all that space. Um, I, there are people that – Step Brothers, by the way, comedy classic. Yes. Terrific. Never cancel Step Brothers like they did Simpsons. Don't self-cancel any of that. Um, there are people that I have encountered – that sort of have this mentality of, I didn't ask to be born, so it's your job to take care of me. I, I'm serious, and I know people that that they're that way about their parents. Like I, you know, you you need to help me out here. I I didn't 
I, yeah. I didn't have a say in the matter. I'm here now on earth. I don't want to do this, this life. I don't want to work. I don't want to have this. So you're going to have to provide for me forever. It's, a, a, it's a weird mentality, but yeah. there are people that are just built like that. Let me and, put you um, in a situation where you have a say. Uh, yeah, peace I think, out. I think we should form a prison for those people. Well, to make matters <laughs> if worse. If your parents have to kick you out of the house to that extent, you should be taken by the state into a facility. And then that that's that's where some taxpayer money could go. The the court did rule in favor of the mom, but now the sons have filed a lawsuit, um, <laughs> and, and they're arguing that uh, it, it it's still. I'm trying to think. I I had it pulled. They're up. basically Michigan. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, is yeah this they're stallions. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just. We'll have an injunction by noon today. They're just countersuing, basically saying that it, the parents are obligated, pretty much under the same response you you went forward with Chad, not putting it out in those blatant terms of, I didn't want to be born into this. So you're having to help me out. But uh, I mean, there's I didn't one want thing to evict you, but you're forcing me to. What if the mom response? was dating an older man, did they ever yell to take their liver spotted hands off their beautiful mother? The way Will Ferrell did in that movie. Chad, what do you think that basement looks like there? <laughs> um, I, I, I think less about what it looks like and think more about what it smells like. Yeah. And it's not good. It gives me a, I mean, it's not visual. good. It, I guess, with Italy, though, I think I remember reading about it. It's, it's a lot more common for generations Tell of family Italy, to live David. with one another. That's, that's oh, basic. yeah, no, no, no. Multi-generational stuff. Yeah. Uh, but very my guess common is the in the Latin American dude, community in, in Italy also. The 40-year-old dude takes care of his 75-year-old mother, though. Yes. Typically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not the other way around. It's like Stu yeah. from King of Queens. It's like he, his mom lives with him, but he pays the rent. Well, know? in Italy, if your parents want you out of the house, you leave, too. You don't stay and then eventually sue them. Join us tomorrow. It's, it's Michigan about to sue the Big Ten. We'll hopefully have some details tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern.